Beyond the Beltway. This is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor in your window, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democratic commentator Patrick Hanley, Republican commentator Stephanie Hitt, and New York Times best-selling author David Horowitz, author of the new book, I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at AM 560, uh, The Answer, WYND, in beautiful Elk Grove Village, Illinois. The phone line's open, 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. And uh, we're going to begin with uh, our two guests. Actually, all of our guests are joining us via Zoom this evening. So we welcome Patrick Hanley and Stephanie Hitt. And uh, they live about, I think, four blocks from each other in Evanston, Illinois. But they're joining us via Zoom tonight. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, or lady and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, I want to begin because uh, in the uh, 40-year history of this program, we have spoken uh, many, many nights about abortion. We have discussed on many, many occasions what's going to happen if Roe v. Wade is ever overturned. And then there's been the programs, absolutely, Roe v. Wade is never going to be overturned. So we have we have invested a lot of time and discussion uh, in four decades on this program. And it now appears the United States Supreme Court is reviewing a case out of the state of Mississippi. And it appears that between now and next June, when this court will make its decisions uh, on this matter, that uh, the possibility of abortion uh, being disrupted in this country and the political sides uh, being uh, drawn to loggerheads over this very bitter issue, that uh, this issue could be a dominant issue uh, of 2022 and certainly uh, an integral uh, decision-making point for many people who go to the polls next November uh, for the congressionals. So my question to you is, Stephanie, I'm going to defer to you because you have been part of those discussions on this program. Um, Quite a few, yeah. uh, do, do Do you expect Roe v. Wade to be overturned or, or what is your view here? If I had to, um, you know, again, uh, you know, just to mimic what, you know, pretty much every pundit out there is saying, and that is you can never quite tell based on the questions and oral argument mm-hmm. what's actually going to happen, even if it seems obvious. Um, I will, um, I think we're going to see a a major gutting of Roe v. Wade. Um, will it absolutely, positively be completely overturned? I don't think so, because John Roberts has made it very clear that he wants to steer a lot of this towards mm. some sort of compromise that maintains um, you know, he's there to protect what he thinks is the legacy of his court. All right, my question, and, I want to um, go to Patrick Hanley. And so I think, and, and get, and get his but I think we're going to see a major, okay. a major right. gutting of it, but let's, not a complete let, By the way, let's, let's try to keep it uh, in a conversation. So if I interrupt, please uh, break. Patrick Hanley, yeah. to you, um, 
what do you think is likely to happen, and what are the political ramifications of a variety of decisions the court could make? <clears throat> yeah, I don't feel great about uh, John Roberts being the, the farthest left-leaning uh, on this issue uh, among the, the majority, the likely majority. So I do, I could certainly imagine either a gutting or it being struck and stricken down. If, if it is struck down, there are trigger laws that will happen in about 26 states across the country. Mm -hmm. uh, in those places, abortion will become illegal or significantly curtailed. I think that will unleash a lot of grassroots energy by women, by advocates, and mm -hmm. by Democrats to win back rights they thought they had. So I think that's going to be a considerable force. Uh, and more broadly, regardless of what happens, I think Democrats are going to be enthused um, and, and, and likely turn out at the polls in November. At this point, do you, uh, Patrick, is this issue uh, and the likelihood of where it comes down, is this uh, the savior issue for the Democrats in the congressional? Because everybody's been suggesting that they may not do very well next year. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And it's tough to make this a savior issue. I don't love politicizing stuff like this because so many people are going to be impacted and hurt. Oh, yeah. By how this comes down. But yeah, I think it's going to help in certain places, especially where there are trigger laws. In places like there isn't going to be a huge, huge difference. We're going to help our neighbors in uh, Midwestern states by offering reproductive rights and services. Uh, but Illinois is not under threat. It's not going to be a huge uh, challenge to, for instance, suburban Congress here. But elsewhere, where there are more restrictive laws that are going to come into force, uh, then yeah, I think I think there certainly could. This could be a wild card that throw th throws things in the Democrats' direction. Given the, this is for uh, Stephanie, given the closeness uh, of, of, of the body politic at the moment, actually for the last uh, probably seven or eight years, and every year it seems to yeah. be getting more, uh, uh, more tight, my question to you is, for the good of the country, would it be good to have Roe v. Wade completely overturned, or would that be insofar as how we live amongst each other, would that be the worst thing for the country, right. although it may be the best thing for the right to life movement? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because on, on one hand, by overturning or majorly gutting Roe v. Wade, it removes it from the Supreme Court's purview. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, what, what, what has been the litmus test for Supreme Court appointments, and really, you know, one of the big presidential uh, election issues is the Supreme Court. You know, mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade sure. and Supreme Court appointments. If if it's if it's relegated completely to the states to make their own decisions, then all of a sudden that sort of controversy exits the national conversation mm -hmm. um, in mm -hmm. that respect. So the, in a way, it, it almost it calms things down. Does it make it but less bitter? What it, go ahead. Does it make it less bitter? Well, I think what you're going to do is you're going to see, I mean, what it will mean is states, it will all go down to the state level. Mm -hmm. And uh, will it be bitter? Um, it will become a opportunity, if you want, of people laying out exactly what they mean by abortion, by abortion rights, um, by viability. The, I mean, the Supreme Court has indicated there are gonna be areas where the, this battle is going to be 
um, where it's going to take place. And that is, it will become issues of what are undue burdens? What's a viability? When does life begin? When does medical um, expertise come in? And all of a sudden, those things that have all been dancing around the issue for 50 years, those things will all of a sudden become out there front and center in every debate in every state every election when legislatures do decide to take up this case okay it may be that pause. some states just we stay do, the way they are like new, but new york and pause. illinois are not going to change their do, laws because uh, let's, let's just fade her out fade her out if, if if they're not stopping when i interrupt just uh, fade her out uh 1-800-723-8289 i'd like to get your reaction on the abortion issue how will it affect you if the supreme court Throws it out. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. We should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
Bruce. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. 1-800-723-8289 is the phone number. Uh, we've got some callers on the line. We're going to go to them right now and, and see if we can get as many people uh, reacting to this as possible. We will be discussing other issues on the program this evening. And uh, last week, as you may recall, we had a gentleman from Dave call, uh, Dave from Spokane. And he was a very articulate guest, and I asked him if he would like to come back some week and, and be a guest, a full guest for a full hour. We've, we haven't worked out a date, but uh, Dave is back on the line. And by the way, as soon as we said that, Joy from Spokane also called, and she said she wants to be on with Dave. So she's backing up tonight. They're sort of auditioning for their big uh, uh, official uh, <laughs> tandem appearance on Beyond the Bayway. So, Dave, give me, a, give me the short yeah. version of your question. All right, Bruce. Well, it's more of a comment. I don't know if she wants to debate me or, or right I don't know what the topic Not right is. now. We're gonna in. we're gonna tease that until uh, coming. <laughs> Maybe we can have coffee. <laughs> okay. Well, my my perspective on the right to life and uh, abortion has been the same for quite a while, and I come at it from two angles. One is legal, and one is just sort of a moral issue. Uh-huh. Uh I think morally, and even people on the left, all people generally say we need to protect the most vulnerable among us. Uh, and that children, by no fault of their own, should not be held culpable for many things uh, if it wasn't their fault. Uh, you can apply both of those to an unborn child uh, just from that perspective. Why have the right to kill that child? Uh, from the legal perspective, legally, every life, everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So as soon as, as, soon as we determine it's a life, and that's kind of the core of this issue, uh, then that applies. And you also have the legal issue of you're innocent until proven guilty. And beyond a reasonable doubt comes to play in a life-and-death type situation, just like the Rittenhouse trial. Uh, this would be the most severe kind of a case. So you put all those together, what does that get you? It gets you that until someone can prove exactly when life begins, you have to err on the side of caution. And that unborn child, you have to say, is innocent until proven guilty of you know, being alive or not being alive. So from all those perspectives, I think, you know, any type of abortion uh, legality would have to come down to DNA because genetically, okay. once you have a unique genetic code, that's a life. Okay. Take a breath at the moment. Uh, we're going to hear from all Joy right. in a little bit, but I, I want to go to our, our guests right now. Uh, Patrick Hanley, I want to let you respond uh, to what Dave had to say. Do you, do you agree with anything he said? Dave, I, I appreciate the way that you articulated that. And at the very end, I actually found myself nodding along. And that's where you said, uh, because this is a complicated issue, we should err on the side of caution. And to me, that means trusting in the in the decisions of my fellow citizens of the women that live in this country and allowing that to be a decision of, of choice between them and their medical professionals. Uh, because this is an issue that we all disagree so profoundly on at the moral level, at the legal level, as you spelled out, that's that is exactly the kind of issue that I don't want the state going in and making blunt decisions for people. All right, uh, Stephanie, your response uh, to uh, what Dave had to say. Well, you know, I, I sort of have a different take on that is and that is um, because we should err on the on the side of caution where we don't know things we, what we're talking about is is two competing interests, the actual life, the right to life for an unborn baby versus the impact it might have on a woman 
the inconvenience, the burden or whatever that she has in carrying a child for nine months. And I think there's a, a lot of people that feel your right to live will om almost always outweigh any sense of convenience, imbalance, burden, frustration that might exist, and even some health concerns for a woman because you know it it limits someone for nine pregnancy limits someone for nine months but a life is eternal so if we're going to err on the side of caution then we should always favor the right to life so Couple. that's and i think that's what um you know the dave in spokane is is really leaning towards is um because we don't know to some extent um we do have some medical evidence about you know viability dna and things like that that erring on the side of caution means supporting the greater right which is the right to life. okay my question to you i want to do a follow-up question to you stephanie and i want to go to you patrick as well stephanie do you know anyone personally who has had an abortion question go ahead answer i do not um i am sure that i know people who have had abortions, but I do not know that they've had abortion. I have never had that ex that ex exchange with anybody. Okay, Patrick, your response the, to the same question. The 12% of folks responding to a survey from July, an economist survey, have said that they have had an abortion. Mm -hmm. Another 15% have said a close family member has, and another 22% has said a close acquaintance have. So more than half of Americans have personal experience with this issue. What about it in and, your and family? Your question, what do. It's, it's a really no, sad second. commentary. Wait a minute. Actually. Wait a minute. That may be I a do, sad I have... Okay. I, I want to hear Patrick's response. Do you know someone who's had an abortion? Yes, I do. I do. Put in, a, in an unbelievably difficult situation in a, in a family that was already large and budgets were already strained. Uh, finding out late. I mean, the... When we talk about erring on the side of the caution, and, and Stephanie, you know this better than, than likely I do, the number of medical complications that come into this issue, like the number of surprises and logistical challenges that are part of this issue, right? So when we think about the six-week ban in Texas, folks are not finding out they're necessarily pregnant until the fourth week, fifth week, right? Like I, I've heard stories of friends who've, who've not found out they were pregnant until seven weeks and like this, this this does happen it is a surprise it's a surprise to me but this happens and are you forcing these people to carry on with a birth of which 30 percent face medical complications like 30 percent of which a, a significant and way too large percentage face mortality but but we're talking about the, you know, as, and I think what Dave's raising is there there is a very strong moral um, uh, comparison here. And you're talking about someone's right to exist. They're very, very right to be as an individual soul with individual DNA versus financial burdens, not finding things out in time, inconvenience, and even, and, you know, um, some medical complications. And the, and that's the thing is we live in a world right now where, you know, Fetal medicine has advanced incredibly there, uh, uh, you know, although it does happen. I mean, the, the, the actual need to save a woman's life to a, by aborting her child is, mm. is, is minuscule. It's, so, it's, it's, it's probably, 
less than, you know, uh, it's, it's less than 1%. It's, it's a 0.01% it, it situation. So we, when you're weighing the morality mm-hmm. of somebody's right and soul versus financial concerns, economic concerns, even medical concerns that can all be adjusted. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, there's a okay, pretty we, clear right, I wanna, line I want to go, I want to go, I want to go to Patrick. I, I want to go to, I want to go to Patrick. Patrick, my question to you is, do you view abortion, given all the science that you've read throughout your adult life, do you view it as justifiable homicide? Oh, are you asking me? No, um, no, no. Do I? No, no, no. Justify- I'm not. No, I'm not asking you because we've heard enough from you tonight. Yeah. Uh, so, so let yeah. let the other <laughs> let the other guests get into the conversation. Patrick, go ahead. That's my question <laughs> to you. Is it is it just no. is abortion justifiable homicide? Abortion and the reality of abortion mm-hmm. is an important deal we make in a society where there are way more complicated things happening in the decision-making processes between our fellow citizens and their medical professionals. In a lot of ways, this is a pragmatic decision that we're taking as a free society to allow people to make decisions for themselves, to prevent them from taking much more dangerous actions. Uh, Let's remember that banning abortion does not reduce abortion. Banning abortion makes abortion more dangerous. And we see that in Latin America where abortion is much more rampant than in the United States, despite being illegal, which makes it much more dangerous. So uh, I, I hear the, the spirit of your question, Bruce, and I appreciate it, but I, I do kind of reject the premise. I don't think about it as homicide. I think about it as policy. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, Stephanie, I didn't mean to suggest that we don't want you to, to participate in the show, but again, we're having a very difficult time for you hearing me when I'm trying to get in and ask a follow-up question. So that's why we're, we're dialing you up right. and dialing you down. But go ahead. You're on the air now, and, and you've, got the, you've got the moment, and uh, we'll give uh, Dave and Spokane the, the last word in a, in a second or so. Go ahead. Well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll make it brief here. And that is that, you know, the, 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 the burdens that are, are thrown out there as justifications, pragmatic reasons why abortion is, is acceptable in society, you know, as, as we develop as a society, both medically, economically, and so on, they, they start to fall away. I mean, we do have alternatives for people who don't want to keep their children. We have, you know, adoption, we have agencies, we have, you know, all sorts of medical treatments. And so the pragmatic justifications for abortion fall away the more developed we become. Okay, on that note, uh, Dave, back to you for 30 seconds. Final, final thought. All right, the absolute only thing that matters in the whole equation is when do we consider it a life? And everyone has the idea, the heartbeat, brain activity, all kinds of ideas. Again, it's not known. As soon as it's a life, it is justifiable homicide to allow an abortion to occur. As soon, It doesn't matter if you didn't know in time or what happened. You can't kill a life once it's a life. That's all that matters, period. Dave in Spokane, thanks for the phone call. We'll have you on the air uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to hear from Joy, the other voice from Spokane. When we continue, I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight, coast to coast and border to border, around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive 
but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. 1-800-723-8289. And uh, we're going to, before we let our guests introduce themselves, I've, I've mentioned that uh, Joy has been standing by in Spokane, Washington. And uh, Joy, welcome to Beyond the Beltway. And uh, we'll let you make your comment on, uh, on what Dave had to say this evening on the issue of abortion. Um, I come at it from a different place. Um, I'm pro-choice. Um, I've never had to make that choice myself. Uh-huh. Um, I did have a son 34 years ago who was born at 27 weeks and weighed a pound 15 ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I definitely saw um, the life at a, at a very early stage. But, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe I'm just too much of an idealist that this will never happen. 
But I, I wish that both sides can get together, and I think both sides would agree that the goal is really to have fewer abortions. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think it helps the conversation when I'm called a baby killer because of my position. Um, but I think that abortions have been going down. And what can frustrate me at times is that when there are policies, programs, laws that would help with decreasing the number of abortions, uh, oftentimes I do see the Republican position going against it. For example, um, coverage of contraceptives by health care plans, looking at comprehensive sex education curriculum in schools, um, doing things that actually would decrease the numbers. I also uh, join. Um, let me let me let me let me bump let, let me butt here and let's go to Stephanie. Stephanie, I want you to respond uh, to what DeJoy has said thus far. Well, I mean, I think we all agree there. You know, at one point there was. I mean, even you know, even uh, you know, people on the the left or the pro-choice side said, you know, safe and rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, uh, it seems like in some ways the rare part seems to have gotten lost. I think, um, when you have people that are really advocating, um, for it, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, um, I, I do agree. And I will say this, that one of the important things for we pro-lifers is we have to be compassionate and we have to provide the support for every person who finds themselves faced with this decision, whether it's improving the ability for adoption, understanding the reality of the need for contraception, for example, and those kinds of things, access to contraception. Does the party do that? Does things. the Republican I think party we wanna, do that? We want to eliminate the, it, it, it needed, it, it being needed. Does the Republican so we, party I, do I that now? fully in support of those policies. Bruce, can Patrick, I, can I just yes, say, go ahead. Let's... Um, Let's do that first. Let's do it. So if about 15% of the Republican Party are, are pro-life folks who you mm-hmm. on the need for these kinds of services, that gets with the Democrats a working majority to pass some of these things and get them done. This is an example where we can break through the gridlock in Congress and help a lot of people. And then we can have this conversation again when it's much safer. Uh, but on, on your point about safe, legal, and rare, I, that is, that's exactly where I am. I mean, the reality is when abortion is legal uh, and regulated, it, it goes down, just as Joyce said. Uh, we, we would all love to live in a world where abortion doesn't happen. Abortion is a tragedy. Um, and I do agree that uh, on both sides, the loudest advocates are all terrible representatives of their cause. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, we, we want to reduce the number of abortions in this country, but I just want to keep the option open uh, to make sure that it's a, a decision that women make, not Joy, the state. Joy, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We look forward to having you back uh, with David in the next couple of weeks. So stand by your phone. We will be booking you for that, but thanks for the call this evening. Uh, I want to switch uh, to another aspect of parenting and uh, responsibility. Oh. And I want to I want to switch gears now, and I'm going to start with you, uh, Patrick. Uh, you You do not have children, correct? No, I don't. Okay, here's my question to you. Should the parents, like the parents in Michigan, uh, who are the parents of the shooter in the recent uh, high school uh, massacre there, should they be held accountable for the actions of their son? 
Yeah, yeah, they should. I, Elaborate. I think the details in that case make it pretty clear to me. Uh, I think in other cases, there's there's a gray area between what is parent is responsible and when a kid acts out. But in this case, the the callousness with which the parent approached their son's crime, uh, the the fact that the father bought the son a, a pistol mm -hmm. as a Christmas present, uh, and two days later, uh, the child brought the gun to school and and. So, I mean, it's the 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 connection between what the parents did and the ultimate crime uh, do for me make them culpable. Uh, Stephanie, uh, by the way, one eight hundred seven two three eighty two eighty nine is the phone number if you'd like to call and weigh in on whether or not the parents should be charged uh, in the case of, of what happened in Michigan, uh, not necessarily because of uh, what their son did, but because of how they treated the information that they had in advance of the shooting and mm -hmm. whether or not uh, uh, there was any culpability at all. So 1-800-723-8289. Uh, Stephanie, you do have children, so as a mother, uh, what do you think of the idea of uh, the mother in that case and the father in that case of uh, being uh, charged in this matter? Well, I mean, as a, as a blanket rule, I mean, I, I don't believe in just, you know, as a blanket thing, you know, that parents should always be responsible for the actions of their kids, I mm -hmm. think. But I, there are, there are, are exceptional situations where the knowledge and complicity of the parents in the crime um, are so, so extreme, so um, where it, it makes sense. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're basically abetting that crime. And, and I think this, the more that I, that comes out about the facts of this Michigan case, it is chilling to see how much information these parents did have and the school. We can and talk about that as the well. School. There were some, some failings. There were a lot of failings along the way. Um, yeah, parents and, and others involved as well. But that is, um, this is that rare exceptional case where should have known was very clear. And as Patrick pointed out, they provided him with the weapon. Mm -hmm. um, and well, what's your, uh, they what's knew, your take, they trained What is your take, what is your take on that? What is and, you, and we're going to have to make, I was going to say, I don't want to interrupt, but no. they, they, you have, the prosecutor has a very hard job though. They have to make the connection that the parents knew they mm. had enough. There was enough information that they, they, it was obvious that this kid was going to do this. And that's going to be a hard barrier actually. Mm. Yeah. Patrick. Which, which brings to mind a text message from the mom uh, that I think went something along the lines of LOL, make sure you didn't get caught next time. Yeah. So I think yeah, that that, that burden is 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 surmountable. Well, also uh, case, sending the sending the kid back into the classroom with uh, without asking the question yeah. of whether he had a weapon seems to be a, 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 a colossal mistake on the part of the uh, administration is concerned. I want to switch gears because uh, I think we'll be talking more about that uh, story in the in the weeks to yeah. come. Something else we're going to be talking about a lot, uh, but I want to get your reaction. Uh, uh, Patrick, and that is uh, the growing tensions uh, involving Russia and the buildup of their troops along the Ukraine border uh, and uh, the adventurism that they seem to be uh, demonstrating with their buildup uh, is, is, some, is a major confrontation uh, with Russia on the horizon. Yeah, that's the, that's the billion dollar question, I think, over the next three months. 
One thing to keep in mind is, is that the, the same folks in the room in 2014 who were the most hawkish in the Obama administration are now leading our foreign policy. Folks like Jake Sullivan, folks like President Biden were the ones advocating a stronger line on Russia uh, uh, in 2014. So I do think that we have a stronger resolve um, heading into the winter time. Um, I do think that the Biden doctrine convening uh, global democracies, fighting transnational threats and then bolstering democracy at home is going to be tested, but ultimately is the right strategy as we deal with Putin. What do you think will happen in your view, uh, Stephanie? If if Russia invades the Ukraine, Ukraine what does the United States sure. do? Well, will it stop? Will it stop you know, they're, they're building up. I'm sorry? I said, will it stop them? Um, uh, no. I, the only <laughs> thing that will really stop them is if we can gather a coalition of Europe, mm -hmm. many who would benefit from a pipeline that Russia wants to build, mm -hmm. could we build a coalition of, of other countries that see this um, invasion the way we do? And I don't know that that's going to be as easy as it seems obvious to us. I don't know that it's as obvious to the rest of Europe that that um, I don't know if they sense the threat in the same way that we do. Well, can, um, can, I, can I quickly just ahead. say if France has actually been the leader on this. Uh, uh, President Macron has been probably the, the most forward about his threats towards Russia having to do anything mm -hmm. with the border and and Germany, uh, the, the shadow Chancellor right now, Angela Merkel, who's still running the government while the, the the government transitions, has been very firm on this as well. So France and Germany are fairly in lockstep, uh, sending that signal to Putin. And, okay. and they have to be willing to give up that pipeline if that's what it comes to with the sanctions. That's that's you know I think it's it's not going to be a U.S. unilateral decision at all. And uh, but we do know that they're building up troops on that border in a way that hasn't been done before. The other thing too is that you know unlike some of the other Baltic states, um, or you know in that region, many Ukrainians are ethnically Russian. Mm -hmm. which is interesting. It adds a, a different twist. You know, we, we tend to think that all of Ukraine is trembling, but very much of Ukraine is, is in fact, Russian. So That's a great point. We've got to pause. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. Don't go away. Let's be honest, the National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. 
145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back. We continue on Beyond the Beltway, and let's go to calls. Let's go to Brian, listening to us in uh, Georgetown, Texas, probably listening on KLBJ. Go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, Thank you, Bruce. Uh, Glad to talk to you after all these years. Uh, My comment about the uh, school shooter is that it's sad and tragic, and it shouldn't have happened. I think in the last years since the 1990s, we've had all these safeguards in place. But like with terrorism, they wasn't followed or communicated. I think the school and the mental health professionals that are present almost in every school, when a kid announces or there's evidence that he wants to kill himself or others and has a plan to do so, that the kid is immediately placed in a hospital for evaluation, regardless of the parents or the students. So I think that should have happened in this case. So well, I think the school what, what and I the had, mental health what professionals. I, what I had read is that uh, the, the school in this case, after the uh, meeting with the parents on the day of the shooting, uh, they gave the parents 48 hours to get their child into some mm-hmm. form of counseling, which maybe it's 24 right. hours too long, but uh, I don't know why you would then send that kid back to school. But uh, uh, Stephanie's got a comment. Well, you know, that's, I mean, that's the thing is there, there, there are procedures now in place in this particular case is, as you go through um, the, the situation, it seems like, again, nobody followed through with the, the order, the procedure. I mean, 
the backpack was not searched. The locker was not searched. He was returned to class. I mean, it sounded like there were lots of little breakdowns, even though there was a system in place. There was not a, a, a school resource officer brought into the meeting at that time, someone who would have maybe checked some of the boxes. So I think, you know, we, we're learning more and more on these things. We're, we're developing these pre procedures. And yet, the, and and we we now see how this could have been prevented very simply, and yet pe people are still it's, people are still slipping through the cracks. And um, you know we we have to get better about these if things. Parents, I mean, so, you if know, parents start, it's an if epidemic. parents started to go, if if parents started to get charged in cases where there is some at least obvious mm -hmm. irresponsibility or 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 you know dropped ball somewhere. Uh, whether it's by the parents, whether it's by the school administration, if parents started to go to to jail for some of their uh, decisions, uh, would that mm -hmm. make a big difference? Yeah. Do you think it would, uh, 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 Brian? Your response to that? What about if it became almost you know part of the story is that you know parents will sometimes go to prison uh, or jail if their if their kids uh, act up? <laughs> well. That that works sometimes like for truancy and stuff, but today yeah. we don't see that enforcement mechanism being put in place. Should it be? My question is, is that too draconian uh, in this society? Oh, yes. No, I think it should be, but mm -hmm. I think first and foremost, the authorities, they should exercise the laws and immediately take charge and take uh, um, have the, the kid or the student placed under uh, 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 control or arrest to get a mental health evaluation. That should be a and I have a situation where I know a few years ago where once the the, the, the teenager made this statement to the to the uh, psychiatrist, the psychiatrist told the family, look, you have to go to the uh, facility immediately. There's no, uh, you know, if you don't agree to do this, we call law enforcement, you know. Right, no, because a psychiatrist has a responsibility to report any uh, any things that uh, would result in that sort of violent activity. We're going to move on. Thanks, Brian. Let's go to Tom in Youngstown, Ohio. He wants to talk about Russia. Go ahead, Tom. Good evening, Bruce. Good evening, your, evening, your guest. Uh, your one guest who said that uh, he saw the Biden doctrine, since uh, he has uh, Obama advisors, that it's going to be similar to what Obama had towards Russia. You know, I've got to strongly uh, put a question mark there. Obama thought, thought that ISIS was the JV team, combined with the fact that four months ago, Biden walked out of Afghanistan, leaving an, a super arsenal there, leaving American citizens there, and leaving a lot of people who aided us to the, become uh, having the off by the Taliban. I, I, and, and you only have to take a look at what's happened recently. Mm -hmm. Biden's decisions on a military basis have led to an emboldenment in Russia, China, uh, North Korea, and Iran, and, yeah. and even even OPEC is thumbing their nose at us when, when, when we're asking them to increase the oil. Well, the big concern I would have is that if we show weakness against Russia and we don't do mm -hmm. something to stop them, it is going to embolden China and it's going to embolden North Korea. They each have a country in mind that they would like to invade. And if we let Russia get away mm -hmm. with activity in Ukraine, the rest, the dominoes will fall. 
the dominoes will fall, and, yeah. and, it, and will, it will prove again that, I, and I'm going to get your response, Patrick, diplomacy at some point yeah. isn't going to work unless you get tough with some of these uh, international uh, thugs. Patrick. Totally. And listen, that's what that's what AUKUS was about. That's what the nuclear deal with Australia and the United Kingdom is about. That's what the quadrilateral alliance with Japan is about. And if you, you don't think in Taipei are watching very closely to see what another thing coming. Tom, I think uh, you might have misheard me a little bit. Uh, these are the hawks from the Obama administration. I agree with you. The Obama administration was uh, took Russia a little bit too lightly. But the folks that are in power now, they're the ones that were advocating a much stronger uh, fist towards Russia. So if we're talking about Jake Sullivan, we're talking about President Biden and others. Um, so you do see a different policy than under Obama. And then on Afghanistan, listen, we can talk about this all day, but the reality is Trump made the deal. Trump made the deal that caused the ultimate withdrawal. So that was not, uh, not a Biden decision strategically. Okay. Tom, listen, thank you very much uh, for your uh, call. Uh, we have just a minute. Actually, we have just a, a, a short time left. So I'm not even going to ask our guests because we're going to run out of time with them. But again, uh, we don't want to leave uh, the air this evening without uh, offering uh, our thoughts uh, on uh, the passing of Bob Dole. You may have disagreed with him. He may have been a, a rhino or not strong enough for you. Uh, he loved his country and the way he served it. Uh, he gave a limb to this country and also, uh, again, a political leader and also a former leader of the Republican Party uh, who in 1992 tried to retire, uh, you know, Bill Clinton uh, or, or Barack Obama, but it didn't, uh, Bill Clinton rather, but it didn't, uh, it didn't work. So, again, we'll miss Bob Dole. We'll talk more about him uh, at some future broadcast in, in the next hour. Our thanks to Patrick and Stephanie for joining us in hour number one. When we come back, we're going to be talking with David Horowitz, New York Times bestselling author, I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. Don't go away. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. 1-800-723-8029 is the phone number. We're switching gears, and for the next hour, uh, we're going to welcome to these microphones uh, one of the leading conservative uh, writers and most successful conservative writers in the United States. He is a, a New York Times best-selling author. His new book is called I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America, and we welcome David Horwitz. Mr. Horwitz, nice to have you with us this evening on Beyond the Beltway. I'd like to begin well, I'd like to begin by asking you because you have looked at the 26 most notorious uh, alleged police uh, shootings that are related to uh, have been described as racism by the Black Lives Matter movement. You've looked at each of these and you've examined them in detail in your book. You separate fact from fiction. And my question to you is, uh, Michael Brown is is really where the story began. Is that correct, or or is there someone that predates uh, Michael Brown and Ferguson, uh, Missouri? Yeah, the actual beginning was Trayvon Martin. Okay. Um, and and uh, that's when. Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, that, that hashtag was created. Mm -hmm. One of the three founders, I forget which one, of Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. came up with the phrase Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And uh, I happen to have, uh, for a conservative, an unorthodox view of the Trayvon Martin case. In fact, if you, if you go up on Amazon, um, the, the, of course, the left goes up and it gives you zero stars or whatever and mm -hmm. says the book is propaganda or right. whatever, save your money. They don't read the book and they don't give any specific arguments. They just mm -hmm. badmouth you. Um, but all the, the reviews that are critical of me are from conservatives who are 
critical of my position on the Trayvon Martin mm -hmm. case. Which is? And my feeling, which is that uh, Zimmerman should have been convicted of manslaughter. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a neighborhood watch guy, not a cop. Uh, he was told by his police dispatcher not to follow Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. uh, you leave that to the police. And he did he he did did so, and they got into a fight. And when he when Zimmerman was losing the fight, he shot Trayvon mm -hmm. in the heart. Uh, this was a seventeen-year-old kid. I don't think he had a criminal record. Okay. But anyway, he was out to buy Skittles that evening. So. So you don't um, have a knee-jerk conservative was, reaction to my, these cases. Was, but but my whole book, everything else Black Lives Matter has done has been a lie. Um, there, of the 26 cases, uh, and it includes everyone probably that anybody knows, Fiona mm -hmm. um, Taylor, uh, George Floyd, there's no racial element to any of these deaths, none. And, you know, let's start with George Floyd. Um, you know, I noticed when he was, uh, when, that video, that you know, awful videotape of Chauvin's knee on his neck came out. Um, they immediately moved to indict four officers, uh, including Chauvin. Two of them were minorities. One of them was black. How, and I had to ask myself, how did race factor into the death of George Floyd if one of the cops who's now charged with aiding and abetting mm -hmm. Chauvin's alleged murder of Floyd um, was black. It doesn't make any sense. And then after the trial uh, of Chauvin, where he was actually, was he was he was convicted of both murder and manslaughter. Mm -hmm. And the, the manslaughter charge, these two charges can't be in the same docket because the manslaughter charge comes about if you rob a bank and in the course of the robbery, you shoot somebody and kill them. That's manslaughter uh, because you didn't come in with the intention of killing this particular person. Uh, so you can't you can't be guilty of murder and manslaughter at the same time. Mr. But, Horowitz, in, 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 in the reaction to all of these cases, obviously there is Black Lives Matter. There is demonstrations in the street. Uh, they are chanting. Right. They, they are, they're call, wait, wait, they're wait. calling for all kinds Let of reforms. They're all illegal. And they were all, they were riots. There were 633 okay. riots. But they started, as, they started as protests. Killed a lot. They started as protests. They started as protests that got out of hand. No, no, no. The, the way the left works I mean, not everybody is up for violence. Uh, so what they do is they have a demonstration during the day, um, and and it just flows into yeah. a riot at night. Same, who, not all the same. Who people. is planning? But, 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 but David, who who is planning no. this? Who is you know we Black Lives Matter is it, it's it's an organization, uh, it's a movement. But who is the person that basically says if there's a, if there's an incident in Cincinnati tonight, that who is it with Black Lives Matter that's going to pick up the phone and talk to civil rights groups in Cincinnati and say, here's our next case? Trust me, such a network exists. It does. These are planned. 
and they're coordinated. And, and, and everybody involved in burning a city should be in jail. Uh, the, 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 these are crimes to what extent? To what extent do you not, no, just? But you say that that I'm supposed about to, just, David. You want let, me? Let me finish. But I don't. But you want George me to trust Floyd, you? Yeah. When the trial of Chauvin was over, uh, sixty Minutes interviewed um, uh, El Ellison, Keith Ellison, yeah. who was the Attorney General of Minnesota, right. used to be the chair of the Democrat National yep. Committee, and he used to be a spokesman for Louis Farrakhan, a rank racist, this uh, Keith Ellison, but he was the attorney general. That means he was the pre chief prosecutor in the case. And 60 Minutes asked him, was there a racial dimension to the death of George Floyd? And he said, we couldn't find one, which, which means there wasn't one. And that's true of all of these deaths. They're mostly, almost to, to the last one, a, a criminal, usually armed, resisting arrest. All of them would be alive if they hadn't resisted arrest. Now, some of them were high on drugs and others were psychologically, they should have been in institutions, um, which is, why maybe they didn't realize what they were risking. How does the movement the grow so fast? How does this movement, how has it grown so fast? Because you're stating the facts. You've stated them here this evening. How does something like that, which again, maybe even an average you know, reporter would report this information, why does that not, why does that information get lost in a political narrative? How does that happen? People are scared. That's what happens. Scared Look, of what? If you, my book, which goes over these cases. Okay. You know, it has reports like from liberal magazines like yeah, The Atlantic. I know. Uh, I, it's, it's not conservative source. No, I, I, I read, understand that. You read the, I mean, you know, I'll give you a... Let me give you the example. Of I want you to give tale. me. I want you to give me an example, but we do have to. But we do have to pause right now, and when we come back, you're going to give us an example. We're talking to David Horowitz, author of the book "I Can't Breathe." It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us. But our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart 
which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway, and our guest is David Horowitz. He has a new book called I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America, and we're talking about the organized reaction uh, to alleged police uh, shootings that uh, some feel are racial, racial inspired. Uh, Mr. Horowitz uh, denies that or does not debunks that completely in his book. My, here, yeah, there's absolutely no evidence. Okay, here's my, here's my. I want, I want, I want to go back to. I want to go back to the organization. I want to go back to how this is organized, because you, you have said that. You know, there, there's a, there's a playbook when these things happen, and that playbook re- yeah, should, requires communication. You should have Andy. You should have Andy Noah, who wrote a book on masks. I mean, he he's followed closely. I'm 83 years old. Okay. Uh, you know, I was once part of the left, so I know the I mentality. Know. But if you want to know the details of the network, the problem is the intimidation of people. Nobody wants to be called a racist. Black Lives Matter is a racist organization. Right. Which is just this week that they're, they're boycotting white stores. Why? Well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, blacks were enslaved by black Africans, not by white people. Uh, there was slavery in Africa for a thousand years before a white person ever set foot there. David. All the slaves that were. David, here's a, here's, here's a question. Why why are well? Let, let me ask this, Dave. Let me ask this question. Okay, Dave. Let me ask this question. Why in your what? Please, may I? But please ask the question. Why do you think? Why, David? Why do you think? Why? Yes. Why do you think so many organizations, entities, people in America are afraid of black people? Afraid to stand up to them politically. I Why? I, I, I mean, I, 
Imagine you have a radio show. I do. You're I mean, right. I, 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 okay. You have a radio show. Black Lives Matter is a racist organization, and it's an anti-American organization, okay. and it's a criminal organization. Suppose you were to say that on the air, what I just said. Uh, you know, you'd be taking your job and your, and your income in your, in your hands, and you wouldn't know the outcome. You, that's the problem. You have corporate America. You have the Democrat Party has embraced Black Lives Matter. It's, it's embraced this racist ideology. People call it identity politics, but it's just racism. Um, so, of course, is it people because, are scared. Is it because? Why is Oprah, Can I ask my question? David, let me ask yeah, my ahead. question. Is it because those entities that you've just referenced, they're scared of black people? They are scared of black people who are going to march around their, organiz- their their offices, call them racists, which about is the worst thing you can you can say in this country these days, and and they and they and they buckle. Yeah. So you've got major corporations. Yeah. They would write a che- they'd rather write a check for two million dollars than to, to than to run into any internal problems, even in their own company, not necessarily as a consumer yeah. company. They're fearful of the black employees who work for them. Is I agree with you hundred percent. That's the problem. People are scared, and and pe- look, there's a black crime. Let, let me just say my credentials. I marched in my first civil rights demonstration for black people in 1948, right. before any of the leaders of Black Lives Matter were born, probably by several generations. I, I, I have a lifetime, I've written three books on race, four actually, and they're all motivated by Martin Luther King's vision of a society where everybody is judged by their character and not by their skin color or religious affiliation and so forth. But, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't actually know quite how to put this, but yes, we live in a sort of reign of terror. People are scared to say there's a black crime wave. Everybody can see it. It's on television every night, not on CNN or MSNBC. Right. But, you know, the video of all these lootings and robberies. You, you have a racist mayor in Chicago. You've got one in, and they're all black. You've got one in, uh, in Washington, D.C. You've got one in Atlanta who support Black Lives Matter and, and who support these criminals. You have all these prosecutors who won't prosecute black criminals. But- and, you, and you don't have people sort of putting a color on it. It's it's very tragic, and we know what the root cause of you, it is, which do, is the absence of fathers in inner city homes. Do you think you that seventy percent? Okay, but do, of, of black children born out of wedlock. Do you think with no father in the home? They go to the streets to get their parenting. Do you think? That's the problem. All right, let me. Do you think your book and the discussion that we're having now? Do you believe that that is a discussion, a private discussion? that is happening within the white community every time they watch a newscast where they see smash and grab taking place because the newscaster talks about it as smash and grab. 
They never say that it's rampaging think, black black student black uh, black uh, kid teenagers. I, they never say that. Although, think, let me finish. Although the people at home yeah. watching on television when they're talking with their husband or wife or family member, that's exactly what they're saying. No one is saying it publicly, yeah. but those discussions are going yes. on. Yes, I think I think white America has come through this with shining colors. I mean, except for all the whites who, for some reason, feel guilty about a country in which blacks, are, the American blacks are the most privileged, richest uh, uh, blacks in the world, have more rights than blacks anywhere on the planet, including all of black Africa and the black Caribbean. Um, and white America has not reacted in a racist way. Uh, which is, you know, it's quite amazing when you consider what's going on in our, these are major cities. This isn't backwaters. You have an organization, Black Lives Matter, which is a black Ku Klux Klan. And in saying that, I'm just quoting Jason Whitlock, who's a black sportscaster, who was very wise on this issue. Uh, And it's tolerated, embraced by the Democrat Party. Do, which is the biggest problem. Now, what's, all. Right, David, uh, let me ask. Let me, let me, Harris let me ask a follow-up. The bail funds for David, people okay, who are David. burning cities. D- David, just David, let me let, take take a breath. Take a breath. Take a breath, please. Take a breath. Let me ask another question, please. Let me do that. My question is: Let's say that everything that you've articulated tonight is absolutely true. There's nothing, that, and, and there's probably many people listening to this program that will not debate you on any particular point. But here's the question I would ask. As a result of some of the involvement in these cases where there has been at least perceived police abuse, overuse, whatever word you want to use, has it brought the issue of police brutality and police treatment of blacks to the fore for public discussion that something is needed, that not all police officers are great. I think it's wildly exaggerated. Look, take Minneapolis, where where the George Floyd... uh, Yes. And take George Floyd, lifetime criminal, high out of his mind on uh, fentanyl. He had four times the legal... Uh, the lethal dose of fentanyl right. in mm-hmm. his system. He, he, if you looked at the early videos uh, of the, 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 the video cams that mm-hmm. the officers had, he couldn't follow an order for three seconds. He did just, that's how, that's how he died. The cops didn't mistreat him. The, the knee on the neck, it looks horrific. Yes, it does. But the fact of the matter is, as you can read in my book, There were 247 cases of the use of that knee in the previous five years on the Minneapolis police force. Nobody died. Why? Because you don't breathe through the veins on the side of your neck. You have to stop somebody's uh, jugular vein. There was also no video of those other incidents. But the video is... The, the video is has the has, fact is the guy died of a drug overdose. That's that. There's no police brutality. This was standard procedure. 
With a, not to mention that you have a screaming crowd. Should there? Uh, no, but but is that standard procedure? Why I, is I procedure? Know that nobody in that crowd was armed and would shoot them. They didn't. You have a you have a really bad situation. Nobody's going to justify everything that happened in those videos. But it was a very bad situation, and George Floyd was responsible we for all the situation. Know. We all and know the that. The city, Minneapolis is a completely leftist city. Everybody on the city council is a Democrat except for one Green Party member. The police chief is black. Uh, the, the attorney general for the state is black. The district attorney is black. The, the idea that there's rampant police brutality is ridiculous. It's just absurd. There's no systemic racism in police departments. How do I know that? Because yeah, in 1964, you know <laughs> the Civil Rights Act explicitly outlawed systemic racism. So if there were incidences of actual systemic racism in police departments, there would be a tsunami of lawsuits. You have all these black, assume every white person is a racist. You have thousands of black attorneys, district attorneys, mayors, City Council. David, stand by. We have to go to a we have to go to a break. Stand by. Take a breath. Get a drink of water. The author of I Can't Breathe: How a Racial Hoax Is Killing America, David Horowitz, joins us tonight on Beyond the Beltway. One forty-five over ninety-two. One eighty over one eleven. One hundred and eighty-two over a hundred, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive. But our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless 
and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We are talking with David Horowitz, author of a new book called I Can't Breathe, How a Radical Hoax is Killing America. Uh, in case you have just joined it, David Horowitz is one of the leading conservative uh, writers uh, in this country, has been extremely popular uh, for many, many years, raised in basically a communist uh, family and uh, grew up with the new left. He, he, moved, from, he, he moved from the new left to the new right to... Uh, being one of the successful uh, writers, uh, his new book is published by Regnery Publishing, and he joins us tonight. Uh, David, I, I, I want to go back to what you think happens next, because you acknowledged that uh, many people who are watching television every night as they read the stories about crime stories, whether they're the crime stories that are mentioned in your book, I Can't Breathe, or the, the smash and grabs, they're, they're making the decision. They're saying to themselves, these are young, black, rampaging teenagers that are involved in smash and grab, even though the commentators never refer it to that way and never will refer it to that way, because if they did, their stations would be surrounded by thousands or hundreds of people demonstrating the following day. But in the homeland, in the living rooms of America, that conversation is going on. So my question to you is, isn't that where the real power ultimately is going to be? Because the people that are watching these images, they know the story, they know how to react, and they, they should be smart enough now, or maybe you don't think they're smart enough now, to understand and read through uh, the messages that they're getting from uh, television commentators and, and network news. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful tribute to white America that this hasn't resulted as the burning of our cities and now the looting that's going on and all the killings. And um, it's just a tribute to white America that there hasn't been a scourge of, anti, of actual anti-black racism from whites. Mm -hmm. And I think that our country is very strong. Uh, you know, I think that Joe Biden's miserable uh, poll ratings have to do with his racism and the racism of his administration. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, people aren't blind either that you open your southern border in the midst of a global planet pandemic and you let the, the bottom half of, of all these societies pour across your border carrying COVID. Uh, 20 percent of them, uh, you know, are infected with COVID. Um, what's going on in this country is that the Democrat Party is conducting a race war against America. And uh, I think that people see it. And I think the tide is turning. 
I, I'm, I think these last two verdicts are very good. Um, the, the, the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict uh, and the fact that there were the riots that followed that, well, there, were, there was this one massacre. Mm -hmm. Of course, nobody like, mentioned that Daryl Brooks, who deliberately drove his car, he intended as revenge for the Rittenhouse verdict mm -hmm. to kill children, women, children, grandmothers. This is a monster, but you don't, uh, you, you don't have any uh, or very few commentators will talk about the reality of Daryl Brooks and why he did what he did. Um, let me ask you, know, let me they, ask, David. Everybody let, likes let, the narrative. Yeah, yeah, White let, people are oppressors. Let me go. But I think America is turning. Let me let me go back. Let me let me go back and ask 20, a question 22. about uh, about the twenty six incidents oh. upon which your book "I Can't Breathe" is is based. Uh, you spend a couple of chapters talking about uh, all of the street demonstrations and the riots that took place in over six hundred cities. Again, Seattle and Portland were two of the of the most noted ones where things took place. They also took place in Chicago and Washington, D.C. and New York. But Portland and and, and uh, uh, Seattle really were, were the two poster children for what was happening uh, in the in the violent summer of, of 2020. My question to you is, this was going on during a presidential campaign. And my question to you is, these in, these incidents were happening during the presidency of Donald Trump. Are you surprised that they continued under Donald Trump? And did Donald Trump do enough to stop it? He had all the power. Why did these things continue? No, he, listen, no, he didn't. Um, he didn't have the power as the president of the United States, controlling the Justice Department, controlling... Uh, the, he, he, asked, he asked for federal troops... Well, you know, they, they burned the gatehouse at, outside the White House. You have to understand, yes. these Black Lives Matter radicals and Antifa radicals are communists. They hate America. They want to destroy America. They would have burned the White House. Uh, they, they burned the gatehouse. They burned the Church of Presidents, which was built when the White House was built. Um, and Trump asked Bowser, this racist black mayor of Washington, D.C., uh, you know, to, to call out the National Guard. Uh, and he asked General Milley. You know, General Milley is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And General Milley, he, he, uh, Trump asked him to invoke the Ins Insurrection Act and send troops to Washington to protect the White House. And Milley refused and called Trump Hitler. You have a Democrat party, which is a seditious party, to try to overthrow Trump from even before he got elected. You have this deep state, you have the military, which is all, all, I mean, look what they did in Afghanistan. So, Trump, so are you saying, are you, are you saying, that, are you saying that Donald Trump could, oh, just a minute, are you saying that in your opinion, Donald Trump could not have done anything more to, to, just a to minute, to quell. No, no uh, you're you're to you're, you're, you're talking about what happened in. You are Portland. talking about what happened in Washington, this D, Washington uh -huh. D.C. I am talking about what happened in Portland. There were over 200 nights of rioting there. 
Are you saying that the President yes. of the United States and the Justice Department could do yes. nothing? When Trump sent federal agents to protect the courthouses, Nancy Pelosi called them stormtroopers. The idea was that Trump was a proto-Hitler who was going to do what actually Biden is in the process, Pelosi are in the process of doing, which is destroying our democracy and, and creating an authoritarian state which orders individuals to get vaccinated if they don't want to. When it, okay, uh, let me, Trump, let, let, oh, me let me, let me, no, and I, right, let I, me ask, let me ask this another way. Around, Are you surprised? All right. David, you're jumping, you're jumping to other issues. My question, to, my question to, to you, my question to you is this, please take a listen, take a breath and, 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 and respond to the question. Are you basically are, were you surprised, based on all of the violence that was taking place all over the country and all of the television exposure that was receiving, maybe not as much television exposure as you would like, but it wasn't a secret what was going on in Seattle and, and Portland and other cities for much of that summer. Are you surprised that the voters did not reelect Donald Trump? Are you surprised that all these people that really knew what was going on, are you surprised that he wasn't reelected? Trump got 12 million more votes than he got the first time. He's the only president in the history of the United States who increased his vote in the second term. You don't get a star for that. You have to to believe that that election was legitimate. You have to believe that Joe Biden, a babbling dementia case, who campaigned from his basement, who lies every time he opens his mouth. But you have to believe that Joe Biden uh, got 12 million more votes than Barack Obama at his peak. That didn't happen. Well, that is, that, 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 that's, that's, that's your, let let me, let me ask. And 10,000 volunteers to change the election laws. There were the Pennsylvania laws, just for okay. one example of one state that Trump won that he lost, Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court made the rules for the election to favor the Democrats. The Constitution of the United States says the state legislatures, that state legislature was Republican, as were five of the six battleground states. But they, yeah, that election is a fraudulent election, and everybody knows it. Do you uh, acknowledge? Do you an election, do you somehow do you it, democracy? All right, David. You, 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 you also said in the book. You also say in the book there's there was about 142,000 voters in in three states. I believe they were Wisconsin, Michigan, and Arizona, as you've described them. My question to you is that 140,000 people, and you have described that as as evidence that there was skullduggery and these this was a dishonest election. You're 82, 83 years no. old. You've been around a long time. Let me ask the question. Do you acknowledge do you acknowledge that there are some people in three and a half years who are Republicans, who are independents, who maybe supported Donald Trump the first time? Do you think that there's a possibility that there's hundred and forty three thousand of those people who didn't like what Donald Trump did as president. And they wanted to get him out because they thought he was rude, crude, and socially inept. 
And they wanted to just get rid of him because they didn't like him. Would you acknowledge that? This is all... This is all your guessing and your speculation. It's my, it's, it, it's more, it's the same guessing as you why made. Did the Democrats, it's the same guessing you why made. Did the Democrats, why have the Democrats criminalized questioning election results? Why have the Democrats condemned? I've lost friends in 60 years. Because well, they because think. Because I question election be, results. No, because. That's, well, the, as, <laughs> Democrats have questioned every election called for the decertification of the presidential electors in every election since that Republicans have won since 1980. But all of a sudden, when Donald Trump well, questions an election... Not well, with, not with, the, not with Hillary Clinton, they did it. Jill, why don't you tell That's the class right. what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark, and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Whoa. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today, here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
Bruce Dumont back. We continue with uh, our last segment this evening with uh, David Horowitz and uh, Frankie Rodriguez has been uh, he's been riding the uh, he's been riding the rails tonight. Uh, it's like the old uh, Gillies. He tried to get on the the bunking Bronco, and is being thrown off by uh, phone callers and and guests who are uh, talking away. And uh, it's always good to have a guest that likes to talk. And David Horowitz, you like to talk. Uh, let me go to the next question for you, because part of your book talks about uh, uh, your 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 challenge, your uh, chapter and verse as to what happened in the last presidential election. It also gets into the specifics as you have described them as uh, what what happened uh, on January sixth. Uh, my question to you is: between now and the next time the people go to vote for president. Are we going to know the full story of January 6th or not? We'll never know the full story of January 6th while the Democrats are in control. You might have to ask yourself, why did the Democrats oppose the audits in these uh, battleground states? None of them conducted the, the proper audit after the election. And they pretended that it was an outrage that anybody would question an election result when they themselves questioned. They never accepted Donald Trump as a legitimate president. Uh, you, you know, yeah, the cover-up tells they did, you. They, they, did, they, didn't, they, didn't, they did not challenge him. They did not challenge, him, did not challenge him to the degree uh, that the challenges uh, with Hillary Clinton's loss so uh, were not as wild, though. January it's entirely 6th. different. January I, 6th. I don't know if, yeah, you know, Tucker's made a film. There are various films. There are 14,000 hours of videotape from mm -hmm. security cameras that the Democrats are suppressing. Why would they do that if the videotapes showed uh, that there was this, this was some kind of an insurrection? Well, it's information that's <laughs> kept from the American people. The guy who broke the front door, the guy who broke down the front door and, and broke the glass and called on the people uh, to, to follow him in uh, was a Department of Justice official that everybody knows. He wasn't prosecuted. He wasn't investigated because he was there on an official meeting. Come on. Mm. I mean, this, is, this isn't the burden of my book. Where my does book it know? No, you need something that nobody else will say publicly. That no, you're Black right. Lives Matter is you're a racist right. criminal organization, that all its claims of police brutality are hogwash, that its gigantic host that blacks are somehow oppressed by white people in this mm -hmm. country uh, is driving the Democrat Party and the political left. And there's no basis for it that there's no systemic racism, whatever Joe Biden says in America, because if there were, there would be a tsunami of lawsuits and major penalties paid out because it's cut and dry. The Civil Rights Act. Uh, what can people do? What can people do, racism. David? What can people do to corporations that support Black Lives Matter with their funding? What should people do? I think the main thing people have to do is they have to stop being afraid. People have to speak out. And, you know, it, it's it's a minefield because they'll twist whatever you say mm -hmm. uh, and try to hang you. 
But the fact of the matter is, I believe the tide is turning. I believe the heroic jury in the Rittenhouse case made the, obviously the right verdict. And I, I think that uh, the, the, uh, the Audrey case yeah, in Georgia mm -hmm. was also cor correctly mm -hmm. decided. And that, that's restoring America's fairness and equity. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the Democrats use equity. They want to just take money from white people and give it to everybody else. But those two verdicts, the, those Democrat two verdicts are, those two verdicts are, are anti-American. They're, they're, they're on the, they're, they're on the right path. They're on the right the racist path. Racist party. Okay. The Democrat party. Okay. Well, you, you... what's wrong with Chicago is that, they, that, that people vote for Democrats. Well, now, Lori Lightfoot have... is a disgrace. She's an absolute disgrace. Well, well, well. <laughs> she talks about the root the community, the root causes of crime, well, which is uh, kind of a code for white people. You, no, you not necessarily. What, the root, the, the root, the root, the, the root causes of crime go back to something that you crime. said yourself about twenty-five no minutes ago. Black on black crime, well, because black people are lack forced of parenting skills. Lack of parenting people. skills, lack and of oversight, not watching your kids. The Democrat right. Party. There isn't one Democrat who will stand up and denounce the racism of the Democrat Party. Well, that's, that's because or they need it. Lives matter. That's matter. because they need it. On this note, uh, by the way, I want to thank you very much for uh, being with us. It's It's been a, a very combative uh, interview. Wasn't uh, meant to be, but it certainly turned out that way. Uh, David Horowitz has been our guest. The book is called I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is killing America. I can't breathe how a racial hoax is killing America. By the way, you can go to the museum, you can go to the website of Beyond the Beltway, beyondthebeltway.com, and you can buy the book right there on the website. You can do it right now if you want to do it. And again, since the holidays are coming up, and in those holidays, you're going to have people who don't necessarily agree with each other politically. Uh, if you are well, one I'm of those persons politics. who was cheering what what's been going on uh in this discussion with mr horowitz uh i would suggest that this book would be a very good christmas gift because if you're looking for the fodder if you're looking for uh the, the next thing to bring up uh at your favorite cocktail party or, or or even at the holidays there's a lot of facts and figures in there that you may want to bring up. And again, if you're in a home where you are the conservative father or mother or grandfather or grandmother, and you have a young uh, grandchild who has just gone off to college, and maybe their politics is a little bit different than yours, you may want to give this gift to them as a Christmas gift or a New Year gift. Tell them something to read on the way back to college. It's called I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. David Horowitz has been our guest. I'm Bruce Dumont. Frankie Rodriguez helped make this program possible. See you next week, everybody. Good night from Elk Grove Village, Illinois. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. 
We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.